Welcome to Girl on Top, Shallon XO, the podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here in the podcast, I answer the questions you submitted over the past week. And today, we're going to be talking about anxiety, friends who need help, friends who are making trouble, flat first date conversations, and why guys pay so much attention to the skank. And just a reminder that if you want to chat privately with me, find me on the Instant Go app. My username is ShallonXO and click chat to get connected. Also, be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. So Brianna asked me this question. She said, I'm in a really good relationship with my boyfriend, except that he's diagnosed with anxiety and takes medicine for it to help. And this affects his sexual life. And sometimes he has erection problems. And for me, sex is uh, really important in a relationship. But once in a while, like I have to cope with this issue and like we can't have sex and I get sometimes angry or frustrated, which causes us to fight. So what do you think? Is this a deal breaker or can this be improved and how? Because right now I'm like at the end of my rope. So... You guys might have seen the video I did on anxiety. Um, I actually took it down (laughs) because Zayn Malik was not happy that I called him the thing that I called him, which I won't repeat, but anyway. But in that video, I say that anxiety is basically two things. It's self-absorption with the perceived sense of powerlessness, right? Because when we get anxious, we go into spirals. And there's spirals about what's going to happen to us. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to the world? And how, with what's happening to the world, how is that going to affect me, me, me? And then the powerlessness is the key component because it's natural to worry about ourselves and the world around us. But it's the aspect of like, I can't do anything about this. I'm on a plane and I can't fix it if it crashes and I can't stop it and I'm going to die. Things like that. And so I have kind of a different slash radical approach to anxiety, which is stop fucking medicating yourself. I mean, yes, of course, there's situations where people, you know, you need medication to just kind of take the hysteria off so that you can think more clearly. But I think We are being way over-medicated for things that are like normal life events. I hear you guys say like, I've been diagnosed with anxiety because I'm going away to college. Like, girl, what you're dealing with is life. It's life. Of course, you're going to be anxious making a major life shift. You're going away to college. You're leaving a marriage. You're starting a new job. You're in a new town. Someone passed away. You broke up with someone. This is life. This comes standard on human. And we need to develop coping skills. We can't just put a pill in our mouth. And just because we can take a pill for something doesn't mean that we should. Because look, we're finding out a lot about drug companies lately, right? That these side effects are oftentimes built in. I is I know that sounds crazy and I know I sound like a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but this is like a proven thing. Drug companies will make a drug with a side effect and oh, wait a minute, they also just happen to make Viagra. Let's write a prescription for that. Like, that's just business practices. And we can bury our head in the sand, or we can be like, okay, maybe Western medicine isn't good for every single problem we have. Don't worry, I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. But like, we owe it to ourselves and our bodies, and certainly like the people around us, to explore things in a more holistic way. So like, I told Brianna, like, 
obviously don't tell your boyfriend to like go cold turkey and like I don't know his medical history I'm not a doctor but I just play one on TV <laughs> but like look for more holistic options and look for things that are cognitive behavioral shifts like he needs to be seeing a therapist because cognitive behavioral therapists can help you come up with real world coping mechanisms for anxiety like one thing I do because I get anxious too I get really socially anxious with people kind of don't assume because I'm very socially fluid but so I like anesthetize myself with food and alcohol. Like I'm always eating something or drinking something if I'm like the center of attention in a group because it's, I'm anxious. So what I do is I give a name to my anxiety. And I used to literally say it out loud. I would sit there and be like, anxious, anxious, anxious. Bored, 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 bored. Anxious, anxious, anxious. And for whatever reason, just naming it helped. Like even me just saying that now, like made me feel a lot better. It's like this pause, it's a deep breath, and it's a recognition of what's going on because monsters live in the dark, right? And when we don't give a name to someone or it's just this free floating thought, we're like, oh, it has all this power over us. And even just naming it can kind of help demystify it and take away some of its power. And then we can take a step back and be like, all right, I'm bored, I'm anxious, I need to leave this party or I need to get out of this conversation, or I need to go take a walk and eat some fruit and be outside for a little while. You know, we're more easily able to evaluate things. So look at some holistic shifts, meditation, probiotics, which is incredibly crucial to your body. Because probiotics, they mimic and they help create serotonin. They regulate serotonin levels. They regulate your immune system. You know, it's you got to be taking some goddamn probiotics. I really like BioK. I'm not, this is not like a paid endorsement. I just really like them. It's B-I-O-K. And you can get them at Whole Foods or health food stores or whatever. Just make sure they're refrigerated. Like any sort of probiotics that you take have to be cold. If they're not, they're dead. So don't believe these like, you know, unless they're super fermented, but like the ones you get on the shelf at Target, they're not going to do anything for you. So invest in some good ones take them every single day. And like, it, they literally have changed my life. Like I used to have debilitating asthma and allergies and I don't anymore. I used to be on antidepressants and I'm not because I was able to regulate my serotonin levels, you know? So let's say though, that this, this like sexual dysfunction kind of is what it is with him. I mean, he's going to have to make the decision about whether or not he wants to look for remedies that don't have these side effects or not. And like, that's his life and that's his deal. And sex really is the glue that holds people together. And if you've ever been in a relationship where you don't have that sexual chemistry, you know how true that is. And it sucks. And especially when you're young, like who wants to be in a sexless relationship when you're young? Like, come on. And I also think it's like, this is my little feminist tangent, you know, lube is like the worst thing to happen to feminism because, oh, she's not wet. Oh, I didn't warm her up. No big deal. Let me just squirt some lube on there and keep going. But if a man doesn't get an erection, the world comes to a grinding halt. You know, like you don't just tape it to a popsicle stick and keep on going, right? You stop. The whole thing stops. There's no more sex life. He's not just going to go down on you for two hours and not have sex. Like it's a whole shift. And so I don't really advocate that, you know, it makes me mad. I don't even know if I have a point for this. It just, it just makes me mad. But there are some things you can do to boost the sexy kind of mood. One thing I like to do is have like a sexy book club 
with my boyfriend where we each like read like the same like erotic novel. And if you're new to the whole erotic novel thing, because it is like silly and cringy, but that's also part of the fun, you know, but if you're new to it, start with Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, it's easy. It's dumb. You can laugh at it together, but you can also act out some of the scenes together. You can role swap and it'll just get you in a sexier frame of mind where you're talking about it and you're thinking about it. And like that could help a lot because right now what his medication is doing is just dialing everything down, right? Because it's it's kind of like how chemotherapy is just kind of like a bomb that goes off in your system and it wipes out everything good and bad to try to kill the bad. The same with anti-anxiety meds. Like It's not so specialized that it only dials down the mania. It dials down every single aspect of your personality, your creativity, your sex drive, but like also, yeah, your temper and your mania. I like my sex drive and I like my creativity and I even kind of like my temper. So that's why I look for holistic solutions to stuff like this. So if you're in this situation, either with yourself or with a partner, really, really explore your options. Acupuncture. Eastern arts and sciences, herbs and spices like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like there are answers out there because everything that we're experiencing now as humans ain't nothing new under the sun, baby. People in the Middle Ages, they had anxiety too. People in the time of Confucius, they had issues as well. And they came up with solutions. So look around, the answers are out there and it might have like such a benefit for your mind and your body and your relationship. This next question comes from Nicole and built kind of on our last question about anxiety, which is how to help someone who's in trouble. So she says, I have a situation with my best friend, Jen, from high school that I need help with. She and I have been friends since eighth grade and we're juniors in college now and our dynamic has really changed as most people do when they grow up. However, her family moved from California to Georgia so we can't see each other during school breaks and she had a really hard time last year which resulted in her losing like literally all of her friends at school. She's struggling with an eating disorder which honestly I have as well and I'm still working through it and this whole summer I felt like a crutch for her. I visited her last month for her 21st birthday in Georgia and honestly it was terrible. She was throwing up her food after meals and lying about it. She was comparing herself to me. And honestly, it just wasn't the same with us. Nothing terrible happened on the trip, but I left just feeling gross. I live in LA and I live a very fast and exciting life like you do. (laughs) Thank you. And honestly, I don't have like I have my own problems that I have worked on this summer. And I feel like this is setting me back. And honestly, I just don't have time to be her only virtual friend. It's like I'm only friends with her out of pity and guilt at this point because I don't know what I'm getting out of this relationship. And I feel like a bitch because I don't want to abandon her, but I have literally been the best friend to her. And she hasn't always been for me. I've done everything in my power to help her and I just resent her to the point where I even tried to pick a fight with her so that I could have some time to not speak with her. And that's just not who I am at all and I want to do the right thing. Help. Also love you. (laughs) So yeah. I get this. And I'm so sorry that you have to deal with this kind of dynamic, especially since like you're tackling this issue on your own. You're dealing with these own things. And I understand the feeling. And I think the reason Jen keeps leaning on you so much is because you're dealing with this too. You're an easy target. You have a huge amount of empathy for her. And honestly, probably not a lot of people do, at least not in the long run. You know, at your age, everyone is dealing with something and nobody really wants to play therapist. 
nobody really has that kind of elasticity. And honestly, like at no point in our lives do we want to play therapist for other people. I mean, I guess I do it for a living. <laughs> but like in my own life, like nobody likes that kind of one-sided friendship. So sometimes I think it's helpful to pull back and, and to get some objectivity to reframe circumstances in a different light. Like if she were a drug addict, you would not feel guilty about giving her a little bit of tough love. You would absolutely not tolerate her shooting up at the table, dragging you along to see a drug dealer, mocking your sobriety, right? You would sit her down and say this. So here's your script. Look, I understand that you're suffering, believe me, but I can't be the one to fix you. You have to be the one who wants to fix themselves. And I understand that this is not an overnight thing. It's a journey, but I don't see you taking the steps on that journey. And until I do, this situation I need to step back from because my involvement at this point feels like enabling you. And since I'm going through a lot of these things on my own, I can't sacrifice my progress for yours. And she will probably rage and she will get mad and call you a bad friend. You're abandoning me. But remember... The people who don't want you to have boundaries are the people who benefited from you having none at all. She's pulling on your heartstrings because she knows you'll respond. And there's a reason she doesn't have any other friends. People actually don't like to be manipulated. They don't need it. They're going to look at her and be like, the fuck am I sticking around for? Why, why do I need this dynamic in my life, right? It's exhausting and it's fruitless. And tell her that you will be by her side if she wants to get help in a healthy and constructive way. But if she's not going to do that, you are not going to sit here and watch the car crash. Emmy submitted this next question, and she's going through something that I know a lot of you guys have experienced. So she said, I've been with my first boyfriend for a month now, and I've noticed that my best friend has acted super weird ever since we became official. She's been really distant and ignores my texts that have anything to do with him. I get the feeling that there's some jealousy there since she's single, and she's the type of person who is always talking about wanting a relationship and constantly needs attention from guys. I'm just frustrated because I wish she could just be happy for me, but she has just been really judgmental, honestly. Do you have any idea what's going on or how I could address this with her? So yeah, basically you're exactly right. She can't be happy for you because she feels like she either deserves this kind of happiness more or she just plain wants it for herself. So I would sit her down and be really real with her. Tell her basically exactly what you told me. I really would love it if I could talk to you about my relationship, but you seem to be really bitter. And honestly, it's putting a huge divide in our friendship. And I don't know how to fix it apart from breaking up with the guy I like, which I'm not going to do because this friendship shouldn't cost me other relationships. I wouldn't ask that of you, and I don't think it's fair that you potentially, tacitly or overtly, ask that of me. She's probably not even aware of what she's doing, or certainly not to the degree. So give her a little bit of reality because, yo, this is life. People are going to have boyfriends. They're even going to <gasps> marry they're going to have husbands one day. They're going to have children, grandchildren. She needs to learn how to deal with it and reconcile that other people having something that she wants doesn't mean she doesn't get to have it. She has that potential. There's enough seats at the table for everyone. You having a boyfriend doesn't mean she's doomed to walk the earth alone forever. You know, if anything, she should be learning by example on how you manage to find a healthy relationship. 
But this could just be another example of someone who prefers to be a victim. They like their victim narrative. And if that's the case, she's not your problem to solve. You might just have to kind of put her on the back burner as someone who is now just a tangential friend versus a main priority. But talk to her and see what she says. And most importantly, see what she does from there on out. And it also might be helpful to like, because maybe she's feeling like, logistically slighted like maybe you guys would get mani petties every friday and now you're with the boyfriend so set up intentional time for just you girls you know whether it's a sleepover or a dinner or a binge watch or whatever let her know that she's a priority in that way but like i said this could just be some weird pathology she has and she just might straight up not be happy for you and if that's the case you don't need someone in your life who wishes you ill, even if they're not connected to that feeling. If anything, them like not connecting to it is more dangerous because then they're going to do things and like with this plausible deniability, it's like, well, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to DM your boyfriend. It's not, it's no big deal. Like I want an enemy with an agenda. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want a snake in sheep's clothing. I want to know who I'm dealing with because like intentionality doesn't really do much. Like it's like, well, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to be mean. All right, well, drunk drivers probably don't mean to kill anyone. It doesn't mean it's not possible. So sit her down, talk to her about it. She might have a moment of clarity and awakening and be like, oh my God, you're right. I've been such a jerk. Or she just might keep entrenching herself into this victim narrative and it's only going to get worse. This next question comes from Annie. She said, I'm 20 and the guy I like is 25. We met through a friend at a party. He got my number from that friend and a few days later he texted me. He's been texting me regularly for two weeks and this week he started calling me every night. He always is the one to initiate contact and we have plans to hang out in a group next week. How do I know if he's just being socially friendly or if he's interested in dating me? So, well, guys don't do things just to be nice. Like, that's not what they do. They, it's not in their nature. It's not in their inclination. And part of the reason they don't do that is because society doesn't expect that of them. Society does expect women to be nice, be polite. Oh, there's this weird girl. You should take her out for lunch. It's like, no, no one asks that of men. So they don't do it. And that just goes to show that that's baseline human behavior, you know, and that we act like that because we're conditioned to. So no, he's not doing that. If a guy is talking to a girl, it's because he's interested in her. But what kind of interest is a whole other story. I think it's a really big red flag that he's five years older. And I know that five years on paper doesn't look like much. And it isn't if you were 30 and he was 35 or you were 27 and he was 32. But 20 and 25 years old, it is a really big difference in terms of what I call life arenas. Like when I was 20, I was a virgin in a small college town. When I was 25, I was an editor of a magazine in New York City. That's a huge difference in my life arenas, a huge difference in my sexual experience arenas. I mean, just a difference in like living on my own and how I dressed completely changed. And at 25, a guy should not feel like he emotionally has a lot in common with a 20-year-old girl. And it has nothing to do with how mature she is because like obviously Annie's a very mature person. You know, I mean, we all are. Women mature so much faster. So maturity-wise, yes, she's maybe more on his level. It's the issue of him not being on hers because it's about those arenas. If he's going for girls in a different arena than his, that means he can't keep up with girls in his own sphere. 
He's doing things that they would maybe call bullshit on or not actually be impressed by at all. Or the tactics he's using, you know, would be a red flag to them. Guys who chronically go for way younger girls do it because they like the control. They don't want someone who's going to call them out. They want someone who's going to be easily bamboozled and easier to manipulate. And you being less sexually experienced is also a huge plus. Uh, he might not be able to compete with people his own age in that category either, you know? So that's why I see some red flags in terms of his intentions. If you guys met two weeks ago, he should have seen you by now if you're in the same town or reasonably close. And I think that's why he's keeping so much communication and escalating this because he knows he's going to see you in a group setting and he's going to try to have sex with you, basically. If he wanted to pursue you in a legitimate way, he would be setting legitimate dates. He wouldn't wait for a group hangout because men are hunters and a hunter doesn't want to get the girl he likes around other hunters who might catch her eye. I mean, we get so confused about a guy's behavior, but sometimes we just need to put it, flip it in reverse. It's like, if I had a guy who I liked, who was talking to me and seemed into me, would I wait two weeks to see him in a group setting with other chicks? Fuck no. I'd be like, let's go, let's hang out tomorrow. I want to see you ASAP, right? You don't bide your time. That goes for men and for women. So I would be really, really cautious. So he wants you to know that you're interested in him and only him. And he would do that by asking you on the solo date so he can have all your attention. You know, if he's a quality dude. So yeah, be cautious. He's probably going to pay a lot of attention to you at this party and is probably going to give you a few drinks. And then maybe, you know what? I'm just not feeling this. Let's get out of here. Let's get away from this crowd. Let's go back to my place, girl. And if that's all you're after, okay, fine. But I bet it isn't because... Who, who wants to just get humped and dumped, you know? Who wants someone that's paying all this attention and leading them down this road of, like, meaningful connection and just like, oh, actually, I just wanted to stick it in, bye. Because texting isn't hard. If you can do something on the toilet, it doesn't count as courtship. Bold statement, hot take. If you can do that while pooping, I hate using that word, it's not a grand gesture, whether it's texting, whether it's liking your photos on Instagram or DMing you or even posting a pic. It doesn't count. I want to see IRL things. If his internet went out, if Wi-Fi went out across the world, would you still have evidence that he liked you? Right? I have to ask myself that. What's he doing IRL? Because yeah, who wants to be the good time girl? Who wants to just have a guy pay all this tension and then drop them once they've hooked up? No one. And you're better than that. Okay, this question is a wild ride. <laughs> so buckle up. Okay, so Kim is like, I've been dating this guy for like the better part of a year. Uh, we've been a little bit long distance, but like, you know, reasonably close. And recently we broke up because I found out, surprise, he has a whole other girlfriend in a whole other city, like a years long relationship. And basically she's also like kind of famous. I'm like dying to know who she is, but she won't tell me. It doesn't matter. And I don't know if I should tell this woman that like, yo, your boyfriend had a whole other girlfriend. Like part of me knows that she's going to freak out and like lash out at me. But I don't know. Like I just feel like it's my duty. And I also just really want to like fuck him over. So, I mean, I think all of us have been in a relationship 
or a situationship where we realize that the person we've been devoting time to, surprise, actually has either a whole other girlfriend, sometimes a wife, sometimes a wife and children, sometimes a wife and a different girlfriend and children. Like men's capacity for duplicity knows no bounds, no bounds whatsoever. And you know, it's, I was actually kind of in this situation recently, like my high school boyfriend is getting married and he's a monster. Like he beat me up when I was like, when we got back together at like 25 and I, I went through this same kind of debate. Like, should I tell his fiance what kind of person he is? I reached the conclusion that like, no, fuck her. Like they're getting married at the Trump golf course. So I'm like, you know what? No, (laughs) no. But like either she knows and she's like fine with it. And it's just also not a situation I need to wade back into. I have moved on. I don't need to dip my toe in that kind of toxicity. And like I said, you know, after they've been together for a few years, ostensibly, like she, I guarantee she knows what kind of person she is. And she's either thinking she can change him or just doesn't care. Or maybe she's just as crazy. I have no idea. And I don't care. But in this situation, I actually think Kim should confront the chick. Because look, I would want to know right? All of us would want to know because the thing with cheating, the thing that's so difficult about it is because that means you've been making decisions based on a reality that doesn't actually exist. You know what I mean? You're making plans, you're prioritizing someone and this reality, this world simply isn't there. So I, you know, I believe in walking in the light of the truth and sometimes we have to kind of shine a light on something, somebody else's truth. And look, of course, she's going to hate you. She's probably going to blame you, but you're not responsible for someone else's reactions. I think he deserves a little bit of what's coming to him. I am big on revenge because at the end of the day, he's just a liar and an asshole and he's absolutely not about to dump her. Oh yeah, that's what she said. Like, oh, he said that he's about to dump her. Horse shit, horse shit, horse shit. No chance. Never believe a guy when he says that. Never, 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 never. It's just a lie. And when you walk out of his life, he's just going to look around for a replacement. And he's going to keep doing this and having multiple girlfriends for as long as anybody lets him because he's an asshole. So yeah, I would tell her if I had a boyfriend who had a whole other girlfriend, I would want to know. And of course, she's maybe going to hate you. She's maybe going to blame you. But like, again, that's not your problem. So I would get in touch with her and tell her in the most neutral way possible. This is the script. Hey, woman to woman, I would want to know this if I was in your situation, but your boyfriend has been dating me for the past several months and not telling me he was in a relationship with you. When I called him out, he said you were crazy and he was about to dump you. I know that I deserve better than this guy and I guarantee that you do too. So I wanted you to walk in the light of the truth about who this person is. And if she freaks out and call you crazy, fuck it. That's her funeral. You did all that you can do and all you can do is all you can do. Just block her and keep moving on with your life. Don't try to get further involved. But if you don't think that like confronting her will be like a one and done situation, if deep down, be honest with yourself, if you're kind of doing this to keep the dynamic going because you want to provoke a confrontation where they break up and you get him, don't do that. He is never going to stop cheating on people. Never. You're just going to move up into her slot and then he's going to go out and find another you. This question comes from Kelly, and she's dealing with something that I know a lot of us have stressed about 
before going on a date. She's like, Shallon, I have a date coming up with this guy and we've been texting for a few weeks. But like his texts are really dry. Like I get flat answers, one word. I feel like I'm the one moving the conversation along. And so I'm worried about the date. And like, I'm literally thinking like, do I have to have like conversational topics ready? I don't know. And we've hung out before and had really good chemistry. So maybe he's just a bad texter. I'm honestly not sure. And I'm kind of freaking out. So I used to stress about this too. And sometimes, yes, I would literally go into dates with like prepared conversational notes and topics basically like on my phone. And now I realize that that was really working against me. Long-term relationships and stable situations, they got a lot of downtime, a lot. And I need to know that someone I'm with can carry a conversation because let it be the guy's job to keep the chit chat flowing. I mean, I don't sit there and like silent as a hostage. Obviously, I'm pretty chatty myself, but I also don't put the burden on myself anymore to jibber jabber the entire time so that there's no awkward silences. For one, like I said, I need to be dating someone who can carry their share of the conversational load because if you can't, that is a crucial data point. Also, I tend to get panicky and anxious and just blah, 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 blah. I'm like a turkey. I just talk and talk and talk, which means I'm not effectively evaluating who this guy really is. I'm missing signals and I'm missing red flags because I'm just tap dancing as fast as I can from across the table, you know? And like, most importantly, guys don't want a girl who can't handle a little bit of silence. Because like I said, relationships have a lot of downtime. And if a girl is on a date talking, talking, talking nonstop, he's going to assume that she needs constant entertainment, which translates to high maintenance, dramatic, and always looking like, I mean, for a fight, you know? So let the conversation unfold how it unfolds. And remember, if he can't think of anything to ask you, a virtual stranger, then why do you want to be with this person? I want my boyfriend to really be curious about my life. I want him to delight in my stories and finding out more about me. I want him to genuinely, I don't know, give a shit. Are we really asking too much for a guy to want to speak to their girlfriend? Wow. Pie in the sky. Crazy, crazy goals. So if it's awkward, that's not something you need to fix, but rather observe and note. And maybe he's only good over text anyway. You know, maybe his texting is as good as it gets. A lot of guys are like that because we can curate like our texts and we like, this is how online dating gets us into trouble because we have this amazing banter and rapport on the text and the message, blah, blah, blah. And then we meet up and it's like, who the fuck are you? It's like either the chemistry doesn't align, the attraction isn't there or like, oh, did you have a co-author for those texts? Because you were boring AF in real life. Like maybe you're nervous or whatever, but this just like isn't working. So don't stress. You always got to go into a date with one attitude. What is he bringing to me? I don't care if he likes me. I mean, of course I do. Yes. But I lived so many years of my dating life just like I always say, like a dog chasing a car. What would I do if I caught it? I was obsessed with them liking me. It literally didn't occur to me to stop and be like, do I like him? I evaluated that in terms of like sexual attraction. Do I want to fuck him? Is he hot? Is he, is he cute? Would he make like a great guy to flex on Instagram, you know? But in terms of like interpersonal connection, I mean, I look back on the people I got super twisted on and I'm like, I can't tell you one thing about their personality. They certainly weren't funny. I don't remember them being 
smart or just, you know, interesting, diverse, quirky, even, even weird is better than flat. But I was like, they have to like me. Why, girl? Why? It comes back to that core of self-esteem that I always talk about and being okay being single. Because if we're going to let someone in our life and waste our precious energy and time and our good boob years and our full face of collagen years, they got to be bringing something to the table. So go into it with that attitude. You're here to impress me. This next question comes from Olivia, and she's dealing with something that you guys ask me about all the time, but she's seeing it from a different angle, which is really interesting. So she's like, okay, so I hooked up with this guy, Fernando, back in 2017, and and like, you know, we were dating for a little while, and then when we were on a break, he hooked up with this chick, she was like 18, and just trash. Like she posts all these slutty pictures and about raves and like she's wearing nothing and like she's just she's got a hoey vibe online, right? See what I'm talking about with what you post on Instagram? And like I see that he still keeps in touch with her. And then in 2018 we were like kind of back together, but basically on and off and he's a douche and he's out of my life. But he's still lurking her pages. He his typical comment is like goddess like emoji with the hard eyes, emoji with the hard eyes. And he's a douche. Like, I know, I know. But it just always made me feel so insecure that he was giving this girl who was like trashy and trampy all of this attention that he never gave to me. And like, I have a good head on my shoulders. I'm smart. I have a good job. Like, I'm an adult. And I just... I'm so irritated and I hate myself for being irritated that I care that he's giving attention to someone who just seems so lame. All right. So don't envy this girl. For one, her social media is a goddamn mess. I looked. But the larger issue is that, yeah, I hear from girls in this position all day, all day, every day. I got hooked up with, like I hooked up with this guy, he creeped my Instagram, he leaves flirty comments, but he doesn't actually pursue me or have feelings for me. That's because he views this girl as a possession, a fuck toy, a means to an end when he's horny or bored. And him leaving these little comments, that's breadcrumbing, classic breadcrumbing, this tiny sporadic trickle of attention to keep her on the hook, to remind her that he's there so when he's bored and wants to bang, she's an easy layup, you know? Because it's not like, oh, I haven't talked to you in two years. It's like, no, you have. I've been leaving emojis. Remember what I said about if you can do it on the toilet, it's not a gesture? Yeah. And he doesn't do that with you simply because he knows it won't work. Fuck boys can sense a quality girl. They have a radar for weaknesses and low self-esteem, which she has. And they know that that kind of girl is going to be easy to manipulate and hook up with with the absolute bare minimum of effort toilet effort. But for someone like her, that's kind of all she requires. She has set up that persona for herself. She has made the bar that low. So that's who she's going to attract. Low bar men. You require more. And for that reason, he doesn't even want to get involved because he doesn't have the capability to be the kind of person that you would allow in his, in your life. Take it as a compliment.
That's all for this week, Shaloners. Thanks for tuning in. And like I said, if you have a love question of your own that you need some help on, find me on the Instant Go app and click chat to get connected right away. Also, find me on YouTube, Shallon Lester. Click like and subscribe for new videos every Friday and a bunch in between. And be sure to follow me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at ShallonXO. Stay savage. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.